Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who doesn't like rewatching movies, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, not a big uh, movie rewatcher. My thing about rewatching movies, it's not it's not that I haven't rewatched movies. I have. But there's there's so much so many I can never watch all the movies that are out there and I want to experience like everything. Um so my thing is like why rewatch a movie when there's something else you can learn, something else you can watch. But I do get it. I get the rewatching. People do it, you know. I'm definitely probably the oddball in this situation. People are like, "Oh, I like this movie. Why would I like, if I like it, why don't I just keep on doing it? You know, for food, I think the same thing. I'm like, oh, I like this place. Why don't I just keep on eating here? Um, so, you know, I'm just not a big rewatch guy. Just not a big rewatch guy. Um, of course, we have the third member of the podcast with us here today. That is, of course, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you? I'm great, Brendan. And I uh, I only like to rewatch movies. Why would I watch a, a new movie that's probably going to stink? Or I could just rewatch a, a fantastic movie like Top Gun Maverick every couple months and my life is way better. Yeah, but then you don't learn anything. You don't experience new things. That's what life is about. It's not true because every time you rewatch Top Gun Maverick, there's stuff that you miss. You learn new things about that movie and how much better it is the the, the 10th time you've seen it. Watching a movie 10 times, that seems horrid to me. Two, maybe three, fine. I can get down with that. 10? Go go, go touch some grass. You, you don't need to watch Yeah, you want to talk to me about touching grass, buddy. You don't want to have that conversation. You do need to touch some grass. <laughs> you don't want to have that conversation with me, Brandon. You're starting a fight that you cannot fight. If we're speaking literally, if we're speaking literally, Brandon does not touch enough grass. I, I, I've been touching many He grass. doesn't get outside a ton. I get, I've been outside. Every day this week I was outside. Mm, That's okay. supposed to be an accomplishment that you've stepped outside of your house at some point every day. <laughs> Hey, he, he went and got the mail. He he pulled yeah. the mail in from the front doorstep. <laughs> hey, he look, I, I went into work four days this week. Trevor, yeah, this is big movement true. for oh me. Oh, my God. Welcome you know? to the real world. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a fun podcast today. Uh, we definitely want to get through a lot. We have quarterback rankings at the end, which will be really fun. But let's start in college basketball. Um, we had a couple of upsets. One kind of weird upset that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but what do we want to start with uh, college basketball here today, Trevor? Yeah, so I'm going to start with some of the the games of the week, some of the games that really stood out to me, the first of which uh, was a big one, UConn and Creighton. Creighton won this game. Um, obviously, UConn was ranked number one in the country, and Creighton had a big one, 85-66 to 66 at home. This is just a fantastic win for, for uh, Creighton. And Creighton, they're a team that they've always had a lot of potential. Uh, they they just need to be they need to show that they can be a little more consistent. And I think they've been playing really well um, as of late. And obviously, this is the big biggest example for them. Uh, Stephen Ashworth, their point guard, he was kind of a big standout for me. Uh, the transfer from Utah State had twenty points in this one, uh, seven rebounds. Then you had Trey Alexander, who is uh, potentially a first round pick in the NBA draft coming up, sixteen points for him. Baylor Shire. Obviously, very experienced guard as well. A senior had 12 points. So, Creighton's an interesting team. They have a lot of experience. Obviously, I didn't even mention Ryan Kalkbrenner, their seven foot one center, who's also a senior. So, they're a very experienced team. Um, I believe, let's see if I'm counting right. Trey Alexander's a junior, but Baylor Shireman's a senior. Um, I think Ashler's a senior. Yeah, he's a senior. And then Kalkbrenner and um, Mason Miller's a sophomore, but they have three seniors that they start um, and then Alexander and then Miller. So they have, I think a good mix of talent and experience and a pretty well-rounded roster. Like they have good shooters in this game. They shot 50% from three, obviously a big reason why they 
uh, played as good as they did in one because they shot so well from three. Um, the variance there can be a factor. UConn was abysmal from three, but also uh, they have size. Again, Colt Brenner, he's seven foot one. He's their center. Um, he's a good presence inside. And defensively, I mean, against a really good UConn team, they held him to 66. So Creighton's a really well-rounded team. They're a team certainly to look out for in March. Um, I, I think they could make a deep run, you know, just because of how well-rounded they are. They have really solid, um, pretty much at every position, they have a guy that's solid. They have a good point guard who's very experienced, and they have the talent. So I, I like this Creighton team a lot. I, I could see them making a deep run potentially in the tournament. Um, but obviously the tournament is always random. It's always dependent on matchups. So we will see uh, with UConn, the first game really where I think there's been a little pause of like, okay, maybe UConn's not this juggernaut that we were potentially starting to think they were, even though they bounced back into Villanova yesterday, destroyed Villanova. But, um, you know, it's just every, every team has a bad game. It's college basketball. We understand. I still think UConn is the best team in the country. But this was one game where you really got to look at. I, I think more so this was about Creighton being good than UConn being bad. But uh, Ben, I know you caught some of this game. Uh, what what were some of your thoughts on it? Awesome game. I mean, it's everything that like that is great about college basketball. When you get a number one team like that that goes on the road into an insane environment, um, that place was 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 absolutely crazy. And I only got to watch the first half, but like I mean, Creighton was awesome, and that that point guard they had was was phenomenal. Um, he was he was playing out of his mind. So they're just a really fun team to watch. I mean, you, and UConn is too. UConn's a great team to watch because they're super physical and they rebound well. But but Creighton was was awesome in that game. They were they were playing lights out. And when you get a team like that at home in a huge game like that, it, it almost feels like they're unstoppable. When you get when when you're in a situation like UConn was in, where you got you know fifteen thousand fans screaming in your face, and the team you're playing is hitting threes left and right. Um, it's just a really tough position to be in. So I don't, I don't think you can take anything away from UConn. I don't think this, this is like hitting the panic button for UConn because they lost by 20 on the road. Again, winning on the road in college basketball is just really hard. It's really hard to do. Doesn't matter who you are. It is really, really hard to go on on the road and, and win, and win a college basketball game, especially when, like I said, you got 15,000 fans screaming in your face that are that are you know super into the game from the very from the uh, you know the opening tip. So credit to Creighton. Um, they, they, again, they've been, a they've been a consistently good team all year. Uh, I, obviously they, they would love to, uh, to get a chance to go back to wherever they were last year, Trevor, the elite eight, and maybe, maybe get to get to the final four this year. So, um, I, I think, I think they, they clearly have shown that they have the ability to do it. They have the ability to beat anyone. It's just a matter of that consistency that we've seen Creighton struggle with, um, over the last 10 years or so. So, um, awesome game though. Really, really good game. Everything that's great about college basketball and specifically the big East, I think was displayed, um, on Tuesday night. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's just another, I mean, college basketball, obviously home court matters a lot. I think I, I'd argue more than any other sport, at least that I watch. I mean, college football, I think it certainly is a factor for sure, but I think in college basketball, it's just, it's more impactful. Like the, the home court, the crowd, the, the way the momentum can, can shift. I think in college basketball, it's more of a factor than really any other sports, certainly more than in professional sports, uh, by far. And I think also probably more than college football, I would argue. Um, but you know, we had some other examples of this, like Utah State. They beat a ranked San Diego State home, sixty-eight, sixty-three. Uh, we had BYU that same night on Tuesday. They beat Baylor at home, seventy-eight, seventy-one. So we see it all over the place. Um, but a game where we got um, a little bit of a different result, something that 
wasn't expected was uh, the Washington State-Arizona game on Thursday where Washington State, uh, they're playing at Arizona, who's ranked number four in the country. Um, And Washington State's had a good season. They're ranked 21st. They've been a big surprise in the Pac-12. But getting a road win against Arizona, which Arizona, I believe, was undefeated home before this, was absolutely massive for their resume. Um, a really good win for Washington State. I think that coach um, has a chance. I think it's Kyle Smith, I want to say, has a chance at coach of the year. He's at least one of the guys in the mix. Um, so really good win for Washington State there. Looks like their leading scorer was Jalen Wells. He had 27 points. And uh, Arizona, um, they they fall just short. I know Caleb Love had a really solid game, but he, he slipped on one of their final opportunities of the game, uh, I think on their last possession. And Washington State holds on. So Washington State, just in general, an interesting story in college basketball. They did lose on uh, yesterday to Arizona State, so that's not great. But nevertheless, Washington State has still had a good season. Uh, a couple others I'll just mention uh, quickly. We had North Carolina beating Virginia 54-44 yesterday. We had Kentucky destroying Alabama 117-95. And I, I'll just take a moment on this game because scoring 117 points in a college basketball game is wild. And it seems like everything was going right for Kentucky in this game. Uh, they made 13 threes. Justin Edwards, who I believe was, I think, the third-ranked player in his high school class last year, or in some in some sites he might have been number two or number one even. Um, but Justin Edwards had 28 points in this game, and he didn't miss a single shot. He made all 10 of his shots, 4-4 four, four from three. And this was a big game because it's not like Justin Edwards – has had a great season for Kentucky. He's been he's been fine, but I think his draft stock has actually fallen uh, this season based off of where it would have been. But this was a really good game for him that maybe can help him rise back at least a couple spots. Um, obviously, he has to keep it up, but Kentucky's a really good team. They have a lot of talent, um, and Justin Edwards, a uh, big standout game from him. Uh, but those are my thoughts on the games. Uh, there's a couple other topics I wanted to get to. Um, but, uh, Ben, did you have any other games that you wanted to talk about, uh, from this week? So Trevor, I mean, I was, I was flipping back and forth between that Alabama Kentucky game and then the, uh, the North Carolina Virginia game. And it was like the most ridiculous, um, difference between the two games. Like, <laughs> like I flipped, I, at, at halftime of the, of the Kentucky game, I'm like, okay, it's like 60 to 40 something. And then I switch over and it's like, oh, the North Carolina Virginia game has 10 minutes left and it's 40 to 35. Um, but that North Carolina Virginia game was a good game. It was just the exact opposite. It was it was the a, a completely different type of basketball game where I mean both teams are struggling from the floor. Um, and North Carolina is a team that that I've I've been high on because I I pulled like a Trevor. I watched like one game like in November and I was like this team's really good. Um, and I've been high on them, but I don't know. I R.J. Davis, Trevor. I love R.J. Davis, whatever his name is. But I mm-hmm. there's been times where I've looked at him and he seems a little out of control at times. Um, so I, I think I'm not as bullish on him sitting here in the, at the end of February that I was in December, for example, but I still think North Carolina is a really good team. Um, and it's always hard, like I said, to go on the road in college basketball stuff, especially into a place like Virginia. So, so that was a good game. I, I, I watched that game yesterday, Trevor, um, again, for the exact opposite reason that Alabama, Kentucky was a good game, but, um, that North Carolina, Virginia was a, was a really good college basketball game. Yeah, absolutely. R.J. Davis, 1 of 14 this game. Struggled shooting, but nevertheless, Carolina gets the win. Um, Brandon, I'll go to you. Any any games that you wanted to mention uh, from the week? Anything that really stands out? 
Yeah, I mean the Duke Wake Forest game, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What we saw happen at the end, yeah, um, was was really crazy. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, it's almost seemed like Kyle Flipanowski got like run over a little bit, and he had yeah. to be helped off the court after a court storming. Um, and basketball is basketball is a dangerous uh, thing to do court storms. We saw Caitlin Clark earlier this year uh, also got like kind of hit a little bit or like bumped uh, at a court storming. Um, and forever, I've always thought it's crazy basketball. Like fans sit so close to the players and I mean, they're walking, they just can walk right on over. Like there's really nothing stopping them. Yeah. Um, so pretty, pretty crazy ending there. Um, but, uh, another team I wanted to talk about is Baylor. They had kind of a rough week, uh, losing to Houston and OT. And then I believe, uh, if I pull it up on what day, they BYU, had, they lost to, yeah, BYU, they lost on Tuesday. Uh, at BYU, so two ranked losses, which you know are not the worst things ever, but two losses nonetheless. Uh, rough for Baylor. Uh, here we see the Mountain West still crazy. We had New Mexico this week beat. Uh, who did I say they beat? They beat uh San Diego State or Utah State, someone like that. Um, and then the next game they lose to Air Force, who had one win in the conference. Uh, San Diego State lost to Utah State earlier in the week. Uh, the Mountain West is still crazy. Oh, Colorado State. New Mexico beat Colorado State. That's who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then literally their next game, they lost to Air, Air Force. Force. So uh, wacky, wacky conference that one is. Uh, big Mountain West guy over here. We're, we are Mountain West guys, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, the Mountain West is a fun conference. And yeah, New Mexico, they're a team that I, I believe, I haven't looked at the latest bracketology, but they're probably a bubble team. So losing to Air Force, I mean, yeah, they beat Colorado State. That's good, but... You can't lose the Air Force. That that's not going to help your at-large case. So bad loss there for New Mexico. Are they really on the bubble? I thought they're like a top thirty team. Uh, no. In terms of bracketology, I think they're probably on the bubble. I'd have to check, but uh, they it's feel like they'd a team like that's like firmly, safe for sure. They feel like they'd firmly be like a nine or a ten seed. I I mean a loss like that. It's it's you you can't take that when it's when you're at least close to. You know, when you're yeah. in that mix where it's close, it's it's tough to take a loss like yeah. that. Yep, fair enough. All right. Um, anything else we wanted to discuss before we get on to the NBA? Yeah, I think with the court storming thing, because John Shire in the post game conference was like, court storming should be banned, and it's like, I, I think in reality, I, I don't know how you ban court storming. I think it's pretty tough. I, certainly, it, it's they shouldn't be able to just run on the court immediately. There should be some sort of delay. I mean, that's how it always was. Like. Like in college, that's how it was. Like when we when well, we beat Buffalo, that's that's a different. I, it's a different yeah. level. I get it. I get it. That's, it's a different level. That's that's a couple. That's like a couple hundred people yeah. versus thousands. It's it's different for sure. There's but no stopping it. You can't. It's tough, right? But there, you know, if if you're if you're a college kid and you have any morals whatsoever, you they should don't. not. You should, which a lot of them don't. They don't. Uh, and I'll call them out on that. College kids. Some of you guys have no morals. Uh, you should not be court yeah, storming. Yeah, but they're college kids. They when should the, let, them, the players, let them be dumb. Let them be dumb. I, I, no, I am the with players, Ben on this. When the players are still on the court, you should not. It's there but should they, be a ten second delay. Let the players get off the floor. It's not that hard. Then you can have your fun. I agree, it, it, Trevor. If the world worked like that, it's it, hard. Yeah, we, I get we, it. There would be diamond castles everywhere and gold but everywhere. That's how it. That's how it should be. Can they actually enforce it? That's another question. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an impossible situation. You're, you're, court storming's are not allowed the field storming is not allowed the teams get fined when this happens yeah um however it does create a good environment i think if it's done safely like everyone is having fun it's not really that big of a deal um obviously we've had two incidences this year that were bigger incidences of two teams also john shire i 
Did did he really say they should be banned? Yes, yeah. he did. I Which think that's such a like stupid such a statement. Loser. Yeah, it's for for three reasons. I like that. Number one, he's a sore loser. Number two, he he coaches at Duke, who's never going to have a court storming because they're always like the best team. Okay, yeah. so he doesn't understand the feeling of being an underdog. That's number two, and then number three. What was my third point? I don't even remember my third point. I, don't, I had a third point, but that's 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 great. Oh, that he's like they should be banned. They're not allowed. They aren't allowed. You get fined. Yeah. Like, they, they are banned, but you can't stop them. What, are you going to put gates up uh, for, for the first row on every single basketball court? Can Bowling Green afford that? No. So, like, what, I mean, yeah, it just tough. doesn't make sense. Like, it's not going to be able to happen. More sad, um, more college scary. kids are not going to be responsible enough, nor do I think they're going to be responsible enough. So, I, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Here's the best part um, about that, it, court storming, just real quick. Specifically with the with the Duke Wake Forest one, because this goes back to my point that makes me so mad. It should have never happened. Wake Forest was a favorite in that game. They were projected to win. And yeah, you can hit me with the old Duke. Yeah, they were two and a half point favorites. So that's why I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I don't Wake, know. Is Wake Forest if, like that? They're not ranked, but they're it's they've not like they're a bad team. They, they, they've won them. like 20 games or whatever. Um, yeah, they've, oh, had wow. a good, they've had a good season. So, yeah. so again, like it's one of those things. I, I don't get rid of court storming. They're great, but I do think they happen too much at this point. They happen way too much. So it's just one of those yeah. things like, yeah, that court storming specifically probably shouldn't have happened. All right. But sorry, John Shire, like they're not going away. And yeah, I get it. He's frustrated because it happens to him more than other teams. I get that. But like at the same time, it's what happens when you're at the top. I mean, like Brandon said, it shouldn't happen and it's not going to happen. He sprained his knee or something. Yeah. I mean, okay. To be fair, it's yeah. To be fair. And I'm not, I can, I'm very biased because Duke's annoying and I don't like anything that Duke ever does (laughs) nor I I ever will. But it, it kind of seems like this 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 Duke guy like was like it seemed like he was he was trying to initiate some contact. It looked like he stuck his leg out to try to no, trip the dude. No, you can't. Make, again, no, I didn't. Again, I don't like this. Argument. Trevor, I made it very clear that I have no no Stampede basis on this other kids. than I'm just looking for reasons to hate Duke. And of course, he sh- when he this happens to, to Duke, this has happened like him. this has happened a bunch this year. It's happened to some dude on Memphis that got hurt doing it. It happened to Caitlin Clark. But when it happens to Duke, you have all these ESPN analysts saying how it's the most ridiculous thing ever and how it's unsafe and how they've always hated it, but they never say anything until it happens to Duke. That's what bothers me about this uh, look the premise is no one wants anyone hurt while we want to create a good culture in college basketball and college sports something that's great about college sports is court stormings exist and field stormings exist and it's fun being an underdog or a team that is not as hyped up in this case like a duke to to storm the field court etc it doesn't matter um, it does need to be done in a safe way we don't want players getting hurt I don't want anyone getting hurt including duke players so I I think to some degree it needs to be reevaluated what is safe, what is right. I mean, people aren't going to wait 10 seconds because you're not allowed to do it in general and they just do it. So there's got to be some sort of way. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I'm the the smartest guy in the room. I don't know if I can come up with a solution. (laughs) Bowling Green, they had to stop one little area from doing it. Uh, Yeah, and Brandon was in charge of stopping it. It was me. I, I, my arms were up. I wasn't stopped. If if they wanted to run (laughs) through me, they were getting through me, Trevor. Okay. I told everyone, please, I, I am not prepared for this. It's the meme. It's the, do, do you remember the meme of, like, when you're going through TSA and the yeah. guy's, like, <laughs> yeah. not yeah. even touching them? <laughs> that was me. Like little... That is. That That's was me. Brandon. That was me. All right, let's move on to professional basketball here. Talk a little NBA. We have some games of the week on here, Trevor. Um, why don't you get us started? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, back from the All-Star break, obviously, an All-Star break that was, you know, I think up and down. The game certainly was disappointing again. Uh, You know, they need to figure out a way to fix that. 
players need to play harder in the game. The All-Star Saturday Night I thought was pretty solid, especially the three-point contest always delivers. And uh, the Sabrina versus Steph thing was awesome. I thought that was the best part of the entire weekend, actually, um, because she was amazing. And Steph is just the greatest shooter of all time and, and still won it with 29 points, which is nuts. But that was uh, a great event. Um, but now we're back to the games. Um, we had some solid ones um, the past couple of days. We had Mavs Suns. Uh, the Mavericks won at 123 to 113. And I, I wanted to talk about the Mavs kind of in general real quick um, today because the Mavericks, they made a couple moves at the deadline. They got Daniel Gafford. You know, they're, they're trying to add more pieces to help out this Luka and Kyrie-led team. And, you know, Luke has been playing really well. Obviously, he, his stats are incredible. He's been great. And Kyrie's been really good. And there hasn't been any drama with him. You know, they've played most of the games. Dallas is kind of, they're in the mix here. You know, they are right now the sixth seed in the West. They have won seven in a row. Um, so because they're on this win streak, they're they're in really good form lately. I think it's, you know, at least worth talking about, like, is are the Mavericks a contender? Can they be a factor here once we get to the playoff time? And I think anytime you have Luka Doncic on your team, you have a chance in any one given game to win it because he might just go off. He might have 50, 55 points in a playoff game. We've seen it happen before. And like those Clipper series a couple years ago, obviously two years ago, they got to the conference finals led by Luca when he was just going nuts. So it's possible. Um, and when you have Kyrie as another, you know, really good score, good ball handler, you add it to the mix. Um, you really might only need one of those guys to go off. And if both of them are going off, then you have, you obviously have a really good chance of winning. So it's, it's interesting. Again, I think their depth compared to some of these teams at the top isn't quite as good, but you know, some of these guys, Daniel Gafford, uh, you know, like that they have on their team, like it's, it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. I, I, you know, PJ Washington, they also got Derek lively for a rookie. I think is having a really good year. Um, and then, you know, where'd he go to school guys, Derek lively. Yeah. He went to Duke. Why I thought he went to that? Michigan. No, I was thinking of someone else. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, so yeah, Dallas is, they're interesting. I, I still wouldn't put them ahead of certain. I mean, Denver's still number one for me. Um, right now I think I, I think after Denver, it's kind of a like a, a wide open field like Denver's one. And then the West, I think the race for the second best team in the West is very wide open. Like you have you have the Clippers, you have the Thunder, you have the Timberwolves, Timberwolves. There you go, Ben. You have the there Timberwolves. You, you have uh, <laughs> it incorrectly right. After. I did Timberwolves. You got it there. The second, the second pronunciation. No, was I, no, I've been right. though, And I've been right this podcast. Um, you have the Suns, the Lakers, the Mavs, the Kings, Pelicans. There's so many teams that are in the mix here. And as far as where Dallas ranks in that, I think that I'd have the Clippers second at the moment. I think third, I think I'd still have the Suns, but it's really tough. I, I'd probably still have the Suns third, despite their inconsistency. And then I think I'd go, uh, I think I'd go Timberwolves four, uh, Thunder five, Dallas six. But I'm very open to moving Dallas up to four because they have, in reality, they actually have more experience than Minnesota or Oklahoma City. So I could see them, I could see myself easily in a week or two saying, actually, I think Dallas is four. So it's it's interesting. I think it's uh, 
a wide open Western conference. And I'm just excited to see how it plays out because I think the East in contrast is a little bit more um, like we know what it is in a sense of like, for me at least, and and other people I think have, uh, you know, a disagreement about like how the East, you know, stacks out. But for me, Boston and Milwaukee are tier one. They, they are the two at the top. And then the tier two, it's Cleveland, it's the Knicks, it's Miami, and it's Philly if Embiid's back. If Embiid's not back, Philly's not in the picture. But if Embiid's back, Philly. And then after that, then you have Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, Atlanta. So for me, the East is pretty much, I know what it is. The West is very wide open. So I think that's fun. Um, you don't but, think the Cavs are in that tier one yet? Especially like with their most recent, no. you know, No one's games? in that tier one. It should just be the Celtics. They're not in the tier one. No. Well, so... so that's what a lot of people think, Ben. A lot of people do think it's the Celtics alone. <laughs> well, excuse me. So give us, gosh. give us why. Why I are disagree. the Bucks in tier one for you? Why are they? The Bucks are in tier one because playoff basketball is a little bit different than regular season basketball. Right. And when you have, you know, two of the best twelve players in the league, one of them being the second best player in the league, uh, that's going to give you a great shot. And you know, this this team, like, they've had a lot of challenges getting Doc in the last two weeks. There's been drama. There's been stuff he's said in the post game. Uh, now there's drama. J.J. Reddick's calling him out, saying he has no takes no accountability, all this kind of stuff. So this, this would be my issue with the Bucs. But, but we have time, and it's like, like... Do we have a lot of time, though? We we have time, yeah. A, a month and a it's, half it's before late, the playoffs? It's late February, and I think there's enough time to where, like, we we've already seen the worst of it. Like the worst of whatever is going to happen, I don't think it's going to get any worse. And still, when you look at their record and how they're performing in these games, they're still number three in the East, thirty-six and twenty-one. Um, they just beat uh, Minnesota on Friday in a really good game. That like you know a playoff type game. They beat Minnesota, who has the best record in the West. So they're still getting really good wins. And when you have Damon Giannis in crunch time with some other good scores around them, I I still think they're in that tier one. Yeah, I just what makes me nervous, and I'm not saying I disagree with you at all. Just what makes me nervous is it does seem like there's a lot of commotion going around with mm-hmm. the team. Yeah, uh, I mean Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers even said he's like, I don't know why these guys are calling me, which is, I mean, that's that's crazy to say. That's nuts. So, um, that's what worries me. I feel like a championship team can't have that, and that's what would be. I would be hesitant to be like that's a tier one team. For sure. Um, but you you definitely know more than me, so I'm gonna go with what you're saying here. It seems like they might might be a tier one team. Um anything else you guys want to discuss NBA wise before we get into our, our quarterback uh rankings? Yeah, I mean I, I kinda mentioned kinda already mentioned that game. The Bucks beat the the Timberwolves, a really good win there, 112, 107. And then we had the Heat being the Pelicans. Only other game I wanted to mention, 106-95. A little bit of a fight broke out. We saw Jimmy Butler and Najee Marshall. This was after originally Zion was driving to the basket. Kevin Love just does a simple wrap-up, and Zion Williamson flops to the ground. And that's what kind of causes this. That seemed like a very biased way to explain that, Trevor. (laughs) How would you explain it? I didn't see. I don't know. I don't know the it? clip, but you just saying that Kevin Love with a simple wrap up and then Zion flops to the floor seems a little biased to me. <laughs> That's what it was. Zion even said in the post game, like Kevin Love probably saved me because like my 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 landing would have been like he basically saved me is what Zion said. I'm going to blame Kevin Love in that situation. I, I just think I know not culture would say that you go for the ball. He culture would wouldn't be wrapping up. That's not good defense. It was like a take. He was just. 
he was just fouling him. A simple. I have not foul. seen uh, this incident. I have. I know nothing about it. So you, you guys, you, so you're being biased. One hundred percent. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Just, it's Kevin Love's fault. But you I have so much animosity biased. towards mm-hmm. him. I'm not being biased. I'm, I'm just. Not, giving I, mean, I have no clue if you culture. are. I'm giving I'm you just, an accurate, accurate representation of what happened. I'm blaming Kevin Love. <laughs> and then so, you guys go with whatever. Your listeners Kevin go with whoever you think is the right. last person to blame. I would. I would attribute some of the blame Kevin to Jimmy Love Butler. Kevin Love is always the first person to blame for anything that happens. Well, if I stub my toe, I'm blaming Kevin Love. If you, you thought I was being biased, some of the blame goes to Jimmy Butler because I didn't say he, you were biased because he accelerated the situation. I didn't say you were biased. Along That's with Najee Marshall, they both did. My only point here is I think it's Kevin Love's fault. No, it's not. Um, I think it's just poor coaching on the heats on the heats end if you ask it me. might it might just be poor coaching it might just be key culture's dead yeah um, poor coaching eric spolster yeah <laughs> totally those two things go together let's uh let's move along here to our nfl quarterback rankings so uh this will be posted on the website i hopefully trevor i get well you, you just said it you have to follow through okay just make sure i follow through you said it so we we better follow through um i firmly believe i will be putting this on the website i think i will it should be on the website no, so we're putting it on the website um everyone say look here's here's what i want i want everyone to rate this episode five stars down below if you see in the description that the the link is posted because that means i did my job you know and that deserves a five-star rating don't you think so trevor that deserves five is, stars. Is just doing your job, does that warrant a five-star rating alone? In this case, yes. Hmm. Okay. And then the other facet of, like, you go to a restaurant, and it's like, oh, they the waiter did Trevor, I don't, these are just, his you get, I want five stars. If I put it down there, you get, I want everyone who's listening right now to get to this, slap a little five-star rating. And if you already have, I love you, okay? Let's get to our quarterback rankings here. So um, this year, like most years, we're doing some quarterback rankings. We all, to be honest— uh, we all, I think, slightly have different ways that we rated the quarterback. So we will we'll kind of talk about it here. I'll go a little bit into what my thought process was. I did my rankings. You know, part of it is obviously how they did this past season. But for the most part, I did of who do who would I rather have on my football team? I'm not even saying the Ravens necessarily. I'm just saying, like, in general, my football team, this fantasy football team that I am creating, who – which quarterback would I rather have? And that's kind of how I did my ranking. So, Trevor, can you explain your thought process of your 32 guys you rated? Yeah, I I, I think, it, was, it was, first of all, it was very tough. Yeah, uh, these were tough ratings. There's a lot of, you know, tough cases and, like, and how you can do it of, like, some, there's certain guys, like Aaron Rodgers played, like, a half of a game. Like, what do you do with that? Do you even rank them? Like, where do you put them? So there's a lot of tough cases. I, I certainly looked at, like, Kind of what you said, like if I were to take this quarterback, if all the situations were like the same around them, it's like this quarterback versus this quarterback. I certainly asked myself that question. I also looked at how they performed this past season being the most recent season. You know, like what have they proven? What are their what are they really good at? Are they accurate Um, or how does their pocket presence? Um, Are they turnover prone? Just like how was their decision making? really taking into account all of these factors. And then obviously some of these quarterbacks we've seen in the playoffs, what have they proven in the biggest games, right? When we're, especially when we get to like these top, like top 10, top eight, when I'm deciding between differentiating one guy versus the other, like maybe sometimes it's, well, this guy, they were both had really good regular season stats, but this guy was better in the playoffs because of this. He had better performances in big moments. So, it's a lot, but um, you know, thus the rankings came out how they did. Uh, but what about you, Ben? 
I I I took thirty two names and I put them in order of how I'd like them. I don't really, I don't really know. I didn't really have a thought process here. I'm gonna <laughs> be honest you with like you. I, I I have no idea how I how I rated these people. I kind of just I just I saw a list. I wrote that exact list down that I found online, and then I changed the ones that I disagreed with. So just I don't gut really, instinct. I mean, kind That's of fine. basically. Hey, gut I, instinct is I essentially like looked at no stats. There's only two player stats I looked at in this entire rating. So the rest is just vibes. Okay. That, I don't cool. think that's I, hey if that's the way you that's rate, cool because we, we all know, had different yeah. uh, approaches and it, it'll be interesting to see like how it yeah, kind of plays out and stuff I should also mention I only rated 27 quarterbacks and really I should have done 26 that's but, not five star worthy um well here's the reason why to me it feels goofy ranking someone that will not be playing another starting down without an injury so like for example Trevor on his list has Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is not playing football unless someone gets hurt. We don't know that. And I, also, I really know that. We don't we don't know all the starting quarterbacks. There's gonna be a lot of uh situations where it's gonna be like a who's gonna play better in training camp, and that's how the coach is gonna decide who's the starter, right? So like I we don't I know will say with like these rookies that are coming in, like we don't know if uh like what's a good example? Like Michael Penix is gonna start. Oh no, he's right not away. starting. Or we don't know if, uh, like, like some of these guys. I mean, Jaden Daniel, like the top there's, three. There's three guys will. we know that are starting. But like, yeah, outside of those three, like the other guys, they'll be involved in like, oh, it's a quarterback competition in training camp, and maybe Bo Nix can get the job if he plays really well. But he probably won't on day one. I I will say with ninety five percent certainty, Josh Dobbs is not playing another starting down in the NFL uh, <laughs> without an injury. I think. Without well, uh, Jake, injuries Jake Browning, all the time. Jake Browning, you have on your list. That is without a doubt, one hundred percent true. for Jake Browning, he will not play in the NFL without someone getting hurt. So Joe Flacco, another guy. Like I, I, I don't feel. I'm like I'm not gonna rank guys that have no actual injuries. Have a lot. So yeah, they can play, but I'm saying that all the guys that I rated, I think right. maybe outside of one, but they have like a real shot. At either like for sure playing starting football or will play starting football, um, and that's kind of how I rate my list. I the first thing I want to talk about is our top fives because they actually ended up being different, and this is not something we normally like. Our top three to five is all very similar. Um, I, Trevor, me and you had a similar top five. Ben, I don't know what's going on in your top five, but um, my top five, I, I had Mahomes at one. Burrow at two, Lamar at three, Allen at four, and Herbert at five. And I'm going to include Dak as my six because those are my top three tiers. Mahomes was in tier one, Burrow and Jackson in tier two, and tier three were the rest of the guys, Allen, Herbert, and Prescott. The reason it's interesting is like three weeks ago I said maybe we should have Lamar over Burrow even if he loses the championship game, right? I said that, what was it, three weeks ago or four mm-hmm. weeks ago? Yeah. Um, and I ended up putting, I'm actually the only person on this list that put Burrow above uh, Lamar. And ultimately, it came down to the question I, I, I proposed earlier is, who would I rather have on my football team? If, if it comes down to it, who would I rather have? I think Burrow has legitimate injury concerns. We didn't see him a lot this year. Um, however, when he did play, he was the most dangerous person in football. I will die on that hill. I think he, I was very scared of Joe Burrow. Lamar is excellent in everything he does. He he's a fabulous quarterback. He just won his second MVP, and he he truly is an, an amazing, amazing player. But ultimately, I personally think I would rather have Joe Burrow, and that's the the main reason I put him over Lamar. Um, 
And those two guys are definitely close. They're they're in tier two. I don't think it's right to put Allen Herbert or Prescott in the same tier as those guys. Um, to me, they haven't accomplished. All three of those guys have not had even close to the accomplishments Burrow or Jackson have had in, in terms of MVPs or Super Bowl appearances. Um, they might have the stats to 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 get up there with those guys. In fact, they they do. They all all five of those guys have close stats. Um, but ultimately, when we're determining factors that separate them, to me, the 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 postseason success and the accolades are what put them over the top over those other three guys. So for me, that was kind of how I differentiated those tiers. Yeah. I mean, my, my rankings are very similar to yours. Yeah, they're very close. So I'm not going to like argue with what you said. I think part of the logic... So I think Josh Allen is actually has a very much has a case for number two. I didn't put him at number two. I put him at number four. Um, I have Lamar at two, Burrow at three, Allen at four. Mahomes is in his own tier. It's called the Mahomes tier. He's number one. Um, but jo- Josh Allen actually. So you said postseason success. Yeah, Josh Allen has way more postseason success than Lamar. He's got more. I was going to say. I said. Josh Allen, his so specifically his stats are better than both Burrow and Lamar Jackson's in the playoffs by actually by a lot to be honest with you. Um, so he he's actually been incredible in the playoffs. Can I can I comment on that real quick? Yeah. So I I said it's a combination of two things: accolades and postseason success. I I understand Allen's won some games. He's never been able to make a Super Bowl or frankly, in my opinion, really get like that close. He had the one year where that Chiefs game was really great, and if the playoff rules were different, maybe he gets in. Well, that wasn't even um, the he championship sh- game, though, so let's not forget. I know that wasn't. I know. I know. How, how I much know, of it's his fault? I'm saying if they won that game, they probably could make it. Um, my my point is is that I think Allen has not done what Lamar and Joe have done, and that's the separating factor. He doesn't have the MVPs that Lamar has. Um, he hasn't reached the Super Bowl like Burrow has in less time play time. So I, those are the things that separates it to me. It's not that Allen is an incredible quarterback, and he really is a, an amazing, amazing quarterback. I think if we have to differentiate, like we have to look like, how are we differentiating these guys? Allen just hasn't done what those two have. Yeah. I, so I came to the same conclusion yeah. you did. My reasoning is just a little bit different. My reasoning is just simply the, like, on a consistent basis, his play versus Lamar Jackson, Joe Burr recently, not... Like, I don't care about Lamar's 2019 MVP. That was irrelevant to me ranking him second. But Josh Allen, is he plays riskier. He's more mistake-prone than both of them. And on a consistent basis, while, yes, he's still an amazing quarterback, his playoff numbers are good, his risky play at times is what holds him back from being number two. Um, that, that's kind of what it comes down to. But I have uh, the same top five Brandon does. Um, the Lamar Jackson Burrow thing, ultimately it, it was a toss-up for me, but the injury concerns for Burrow, it, it's a real issue. He can easily he can easily take back the number two spot by the end of next season, but Lamar just won the MVP. He got his team to the conference championship. He was incredible really all year. I think he grew as a passer again. Pretty much every year of his career, he's grown as a passer, and this year was by far his best year as a passer and that's why he's number two at the moment but burrow could take it back next year it's interesting both your reasons why jackson's above burrow and allen is below where like you're saying the consistency i think lamar's just as inconsistent as josh allen like i think he makes a lot of this not the same mistakes but like a, a lot of mistakes like josh allen but again and this is something we talked about before we hit the red button um both of their risky play styles are why I love them so much. And I, I, I actually think they play equally as risky. 
because you said that, I'm surprised you don't have Burrow ahead of Lamar because I think he doesn't play like risky at all. He's very, very clean, um, and he he plays a, a very, very nice game. But it's interesting that that's why you had. Although I mean, Lamar did just win an MVP. I I like your top five. I, I, Lamar has a very good. They are very close. Him and Burrow are very close. But also with the injury concerns, Lamar had two major injuries at the end of the past two seasons. You know, two seasons. So I think he has just as much injury concern as Burrow. So it's interesting. You're. I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong. It's just interesting you put Burrow behind for right. that and then Allen behind for, for the, the respected reason. Ben, your top five here. It's very similar What's to your going on? What do you mean? What do you mean? It's very similar. I have Lamar Jackson um, in the same place as you, Brandon. You have Allen at two. Yeah. You have he had better Dak stats. at five over Herbert. Yeah. But you have Dak he and Herbert crazy. in the same tier, so that's not a huge difference. Why, why do you think uh, – why, why do you have Josh Allen ahead of J- uh, Lamar and Joe Burrow? Okay, so, well, Joe Burrow only played nine and a half games, so I had to punish him in some way for that. So I put him at four, even though I, I think he's the second-best quarterback I don't in the get NFL. the punishing for, like, lack of games. I don't really understand that. He was incredible. In I want him to see he's, this he's and be motivated teams. to protect himself. That's what I okay, want. Okay, so it's a bias thing. Okay, okay. okay. I didn't <laughs> yeah, know if he was, like, well, serious. No, I, don't I think he's the second-best like, quarterback punishing in the for missing games. But he didn't play. I don't know, because I've only okay, seen him play essentially three years. you think he's the second-best quarterback, so you really think he's at two? You really if think he's, he's healthy, but this year he wasn't healthy, so I don't, I don't know. Like I, I have no idea. He really, I okay, seen him so healthy you know, this lot. is this is fair though because he's Burrow. We we've seen now. Um, it was, before it was just like one injury. Right now it's multiple. We we have more evidence of it. So the injury concerns hurt Burrow's case. You, I mean, you got to play. You got to play in the games. You know. Yeah, I guess it's a good point. I guess it's a good point. Yeah. Um, um Ben, did you want anything else you want to add there? Well, just with Allen and Lamar. So so then it came down to who's better. Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen and I was like I don't really know so I looked up their stats and I mean their stats are very similar but Josh Allen just had a little bit better stats this year when it comes down to yards and touchdowns yeah. and 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 his PFF grade so that was that was the only that was the only reason why I put Allen above Lamar actually yeah it'd be interesting because I'm more afraid to play it. like MVP. if I'm the Bengals I'd much rather play Josh Allen than Lamar Jackson because Josh Allen's good for one or two picks every game I think Lamar Jackson is more dangerous but Josh Allen just had some uh, slightly better stats so that's why I put him yeah, ahead of You would think, like, if the better stats were so much better, like, he would have won MVP, but he didn't, which is crazy. Well, I think it's so. very clear that the MVP is not necessarily the best player in the league every year. It's just the best quarterback on the best team. That's what many people that actually vote on the on the awards say. They just say that they pick the best player on the team that's in first place. I So, ultimately, the reason why I have Lamar above Allen, I, I kind of already said it, but Lamar, I think, raises his team's ceiling. Like, the difference between the replacement player of Lamar and, and Josh Allen's is also very high. Don't get me wrong. If Bills didn't have Josh Allen, they would not be good. But I think the value, and again, MVP, the value is higher that Lamar provides, even though like, frankly, Josh Allen was better against the chiefs than Lamar was when they played, but it's just one game. I think overall, I still lean Lamar because of the consistency and the ultimately he raises the team ceiling more than Josh Allen does. So I think this is an interesting point because if you look at Lamar, I I would argue that Lamar has the biggest uh, ability to affect the team if he was taken off versus any even more no, than Mahomes. Not Mahomes. I, let me explain what I mean. No Let's way. say you put like like uh, someone comparable to Mahomes that's like not nearly as good as him is like let's take like Matt Stafford who where did I have Matt Stafford? I had Matt Stafford at twelve. Okay, um, you guys where did you Trevor? You had Stafford at ten. Uh, I can't see Ben Adam at seven. Okay. So we would say he's a slightly above average quarterback, right? He's, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's a solid quarterback. If you put him on the Ravens, okay, in the Ravens system with Lamar, they, they do way worse. 
Just because he is not fit for that system well, they at would, all. Yeah, they would have to change the system. So this is what I'm saying. You're saying if you were to take like the average replacement, Lamar, when they replace, like when Huntley plays, they stink. They're awful. They're horrendous. Like mm, really bad. Well, anyway, we can move they're, on. They're horrendous. Yeah. Like, Huntley's went two and I think nine in his last 11 games he's played. There. I mean, they're terrible. But he's a pro if bowler. If Mahomes and Allen, what do you say, man? He's a pro bowler, Lamar Huntley. Or uh, it's not Lamar Huntley. So so Tyler if, if you replace Mahomes with Matt Stafford, they would would well, be worse without a doubt, but they would not be as bad as the Ravens would be. So I all that I'm saying is it's a scheme fit thing. No one can do quite what Lamar does, and I think the drop down from that is so big that like taking him off the team has a much bigger drop. That doesn't mean that I think he's better than Mahomes at all. I mean, my list doesn't in, in, in say that, but I just think because he's such a different type of quarterback, there's really no one that can replicate what he does. And like it's it's proven. Huntley had one year where he went like three and one. People are like he's good, and then he stunk every year after that when he comes in and plays. He's terrible. So that's all I'm saying is I think the just basically what you said were like the value aspect that I, he brings. I think there's I no mean, one that can I think replace the difference. I think the difference between Mahomes taking off would be a little great. I don't know. They would both be big. I think it'd probably be greater if you have no Mahomes. I'm just saying like if you were to throw like the average they quarterback, have Travis Kelsey, like, and we they can have, you know, we can do someone more so average. Let's you know. do someone like. Um, like Baker, for example, I think we would all consider Baker like a very like he had a solid year. He's he's pretty average. Yeah, you know, you can get a lot of guys yeah. who can make Tampa at least you know okay, I, not as good. Yeah, they wanted to make you the put playoffs. Baker on Baker's the good, but you like, put Baker on the Chiefs. I mean, they're not nearly as good, but they could make like the playoffs. They would be able to make you know a six seven seed with Baker Mayfield. I think they could. If you put maybe. them on the Ravens, they don't win eight games. But it, yeah, because yeah, the system. But if you change the system and you just then then you My could is, is potentially that change their it. Systems, they could still be decent. Just like based off what you said, where you're like, if you were to take a replacement player, right. there's a bigger difference. Lamar, no one can do what Lamar does. Yeah, that, that's the system yeah. is so unique. Yeah, we. I mean, we can move on from this, but like that was just that's not a hundred percent the point I was trying to make. But like ultimately, I think he's more valuable than Josh Allen is. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree with that. All right, let's look at some of the, some of the guys that are like kind of in the middle because this I thought personally, when we reached twelve, like all of my tier five here, twelve to twenty one, I I had a very difficult time ranking all these guys. Um, Brock Purdy obviously is like one. I mean, it's it's tough to rate him. I thought for the most part, Ben, I don't know what you were doing. It, it, well, you you fixed it. It's it's better now. Uh, but Purdy is a tough one to rank, um, and I actually thought everyone did pretty respectful. Like they they held pretty good on on his rankings. Ben, what is the Aaron Rodgers at eight talk here? I got to hear the explanation at this. Uh, his name's Aaron Rodgers. He's a pretty good quarterback, so I feel like I had to put him in the top ten somewhere. So I threw him at eight. I was gonna have him like six, and I was like, hey, I'll put him like eight. But I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like if it was Tom Brady, Trevor would have him in his top five. Like I don't know. I would not. I don't believe that. You're lying. <laughs> I would not. Have I don't him know. I mean, I, I, how do you rate Aaron Rodgers? Like, I don't know. I haven't seen him playing forever. I, I think he's a still still a good quarterback. If he was healthy this year, I think he would have been a top ten quarterback. But I have no idea. So, I just took a wild guess. Threw him at eight. I I feel like eight is so crazy, and the the, the main reason why, if you look at 2022 when he was on the Packers, they went eight and nine. They missed the playoffs. Okay, he had 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He didn't even have 4,000 yards. He played in all 17 games. He didn't even have 4,000 yards. Jordan Love just brought that team to the NFC Championship game in his first year of starting. And they they had basically the same team. The offense was not much different. They don't have great receiving weapons. Aaron Jones did really well this year, just like he does every year. So Rodgers went to a team that's probably better like in terms of talent. The Jets have a ton of talent. But he stunk the past year. So I 
I feel like a drop was warranted because he was so bad um, in in the prior year for the Packers. Look at his drop-off. He had, the year before, 2021, he had 37 touchdowns and four interceptions, then to 26 and 12. Obviously, he lost Devontae Adams, but they won from winning 13 games three straight years down to eight. He's clearly regressed, and I think that would, will show in this upcoming year. Um, I don't. I'm. I don't know. I don't remember if you said before the pop, but I definitely want you to say now. Where would you put? I've put Rodgers if you did rank him here. So I have. Yeah, Trevor didn't even my, put him I in have, his top twenty-seven. That's ridiculous. Or top thirty-two. Excuse I, me. I didn't put ridiculous. him in my top thirty-two. Um, it's because he played half of a game. Yeah. Well, um, the criteria did not. It didn't. Yeah. I I only listed guys that play at least five games. But um, yeah. So Aaron Rodgers. I would probably have him at the end of my tier three, which right now the end of my tier three is it's Kirk Cousins at number 13. So I'd have him behind Kirk Cousins, which would be number 14. Um, I think last year I'd, I'd Rogers around like the nine, 10, 11 range um, because we already saw the regression because he's, I mean, part of why he used to be so good is because he used to be more mobile. Now yes. he's, he's never mobile. He's an, he's 39 years old. He's, you know, he's a uh, stagnant. Uh, he's a stiff, right? So he's, he's a completely he's a different, <laughs> he's a stiff. He's a, that is quite the he's a completely different. He's kind of a different quarterback now. It's, it's a little bit like Russell Wilson. He's better than Russell Wilson, but it's sort of like it. And that he's not as nearly as mobile now. Um, so I'd have him at it would be 14 at the end of that tier three um, is where I would have him. I think there's got to be uh, there's a penalty also for him just not playing the injury stuff him being older. Um, well, not him being older, but like him not playing. There's a penalty. So if I would have had him 10 or 11, um, I think there there's, you know, it warrants potentially having him lower than that now. So it would have been 14 is where I would have had him. That seems fair. I actually was thinking I I might have it might even be better to put him lower than where I put him at sixteen, because uh, like here's a question that's interesting. Would you rather have him right now or someone like Justin Fields? I'd rather for have one seat for one season. Yeah, for, Aaron Rodgers like, for one season for sure. What, yeah, for one season, Aaron Rodgers. I st- I I mean I rated them like that. I still think I'd have Rodgers, but I do think it's a decent discussion. Like who I'd rather have. But For it's sure. but it I, I I do think that's a good conversation because I mean if if you still really believe in Fields if you give him a be- I mean he was with the I Bears mean, he's, he's been in an atrocious situation his whole career so like and he, he did better last year at the end he, of the year and when he, he wasn't started hurt. doing better yeah. so I think because of the I think with Fields we've seen a little bit of a growth pattern yes where if we continue seeing that I mean I have Justin Fields twenty first on my rankings this year next year. I would be surprised if I didn't have him higher. I right? I completely agree. I have him at 19, and it's the same thing. I feel like he – I obviously, I'm a huge Fields guy. I, I've been talking about him for years. I was so sad when he went to Ohio State because it was like, oh, well, they're just going to destroy us. Um, and, you know, we ended up winning the championship anyway, so it don't matter. Who's but, we? Um, I didn't even know you went – did you even <laughs> go to Michigan? How are you a we you so, associate with the school? So – so let me continue what I was saying. I was really rudely interrupted by a member of our podcast. It wasn't you, Trevor, because you would never do that. Um, I, I love Justin Fields. I really think he has the potential. They need to get some pieces around him, and they've done it slowly. DJ Moore was a great addition, but it, it's too slow. They have cap room. Get him the weapons they need. I think they have like the first, either the first or second most cap room again. Um, they just locked down some of their defense with Montez Sweat. Um, they, they, can, they can get him weapons. They just need to go out and do it. Um, and I, I feel like he could be a big riser, but now that we're on the talks of big risers, who on your guys' list do you think has the potential, maybe besides Fields, to be a big riser? 
Um, Brock Purdy. So this, <laughs> yeah. So this is a good conversation because I wanted to talk about like, um, well, mainly CJ Stroud and Jordan Love because they had they were obviously huge risers. This was their first year fully as a starter. Stroud's a rookie, and Love is effectively a rookie, uh, pretty much. I had Stroud eight, and I had Jordan Love number nine. For some people, that might be pretty high, um, but from what I saw from them, uh, not even just in the regular season, in the playoffs, not one game, Ben, not one game. It was multiple games. It was three, four, five, six games from both of them that convinced me that they will continue playing at an elite level. And it's not even like, like Stroud. It's not even like he has great weapons. He's still out there, uh, you know, playing really good. I mean, destroyed the Cleveland Browns in the playoff game. And then, yeah, you know, uh, a little bit of a tough game against the Ravens, but it's the Ravens. Their defense is awesome. So I don't really blame Stroud for how he played that much. And I don't even think he was like that bad, given uh, the fact that his offensive line couldn't block for him. And then Jordan Love, um, you know, he makes more mistakes than Stroud, certainly. But his, uh, you know, I think his ability to throw the deep ball, he is a little bit more of the flashy, uh, throws, you know, the Justin Herbert, the uh, Josh Allen. He's a little more flashy. He makes a little bit more mistakes than Stroud does. But I like them both. Um, I don't know if they'll rise because I already have them pretty high. But as far as to answer Brandon's question, Fields is the number one guy that I would uh, say for this. I have him 21st. I think he'll rise beyond that. The other guy, Anthony Richardson, who we only saw play, what, three games. Um, I think he'll, I mean, I didn't have him on my list, but I think he will be more of a factor. I could see Richardson potentially being a top 20 guy, maybe even top 15, depending on how next season goes for him. So those are my main uh, answers to that question, Brandon. Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson. Um, I think I think that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, those are really the only two guys that I would point to as far as being like big risers. So I, I have another one I'm, I just kind of want to throw in there. I kind of want to throw Russell Wilson in there, and I know that's wild. I think he has potential to rise for two two different reasons. Number one, he played like legitimately pretty good this year. He he had a pretty solid season. Um, and I, I think part of the reason he's so low is the season he had prior, which was horrendous. Also, there's potential he gets moved. And if he gets moved to a team, like let's say he gets moved to like the Saints or uh there's another team without a quarterback that's not like terrible. Let's say, like, Rodgers randomly retires. No. no, he would stink. Everyone stinks on the Patriots. Uh, he Or, like, the, the Jets if Rodgers gets there. Something like that where it's, like, a decent situation for him. I, I feel like he could rise up to, like, 12, 13. Like, have a pretty good rise, at least in my rankings, 12, 13. Uh, which is, you know, seven, eight spots. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. Who do you think has the potential, like, to drop the most? Um, to drop the most. Well, Ben, did you have any, did you have any thoughts on that as far as like biggest risers at all? I mean, I was, I was going to say probably Anthony Richardson, just because if he's as good as people say he is, then I mean, I have him at 25. So I'd imagine he could be a top half quarterback if he's as good as, as, uh, as he's projected to be. So that's who I was going to say. Richardson for sure. Um, biggest falls. Um, let me see here as I'm looking at my rankings. I mean, Baker Mayfield may have just had one good season and it might just turn around next season and he might be terrible. Like, that's possible. Um, I think um, there's not really anyone else that's standing out to me. I think Baker could. I think 
I mean, Jared Goff just had a really good season, and I don't really think he's going to drop that much. But the situation Jared Goff has around him was like amazing this season. His offensive line's incredible. His weapons were really good. If some of that starts to change, which I don't really necessarily think it is that much, but if if things change and the situation starts to get worse, would Jared Goff drop? I think it's possible. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't actually believe that a ton, but I just think it's worth throwing out there as like someone who could drop. Yeah, I I think Goff, it's going to be hard for him to drop. I really like the weapons they have there. He's going to stay there. They're going to re-sign him. So I, I kind of like where Goff's position is. I think he's kind of like where, like he's going to kind of level out where he is. And honestly, we, we talked about Brock Purdy rising. Like Ben, I know you kind of joked about it. I think kind of the same thing for him. I mean, he, he had statistically a great year. Like how much more could he do to make us like move him up a ton? I just don't think there's much more he's able to do. I think this is just kind of where he is. Again, I, I'm obviously not a, like, I don't like Brock Purdy that much. I don't even think this is really a knock on him. It's just like, he statistically played well and we have him where we have him, you know? Like, is there a ton of room for, for growth there in terms of rankings? Maybe you disagree, Trevor. I'm interested. Like, do you think like there's a, a ton of growth for him? Just like, I, his stats were good. Like what, what else is yeah. he going to show us that we're going to move him up a ton? So, I just think it is what it is. Unless he like, Gets super accurate all of a sudden and is throwing 60 yards down the field. Well, he's already pretty accurate. With the, I don't um, know about that. He doesn't um, throw the ball much down the field. His, his short and intermediate throws are very accurate. Okay. Um, but uh, so with Purdy, because I have like my my top tier, it's the Mahomes tier. It's just him. Then my next tier, I have four guys. It's called the elite quarterbacks without a doubt, just not Mahomes. That's Lamar, Burrow, Allen, and Herbert. My third tier is guys who seem elite, but there's something missing. Those are eight guys. I'm not going to name them all. But the fourth tier I have, it's only three quarterbacks. Um, it's Tua Tagovailoa, it's Brock Purdy, and it's Baker Mayfield. And I called it the so-called system quarterbacks because, the, you know, in in a way, I think the way they play the game is what people usually say, oh, like, that's a system quarterback. When in reality, the term is not, it's not like a straight up like, oh, this guy can only succeed under these given circumstances. Because we, I think with all three of them, we do see some instances where they do show like really good capabilities. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I think a lot of things he did this season, it's not like it was, everything was perfect for him. He, you know, he did some stuff out of structure that was really good. Purdy did make a really good comeback uh, late in the season. Um, Like Tua has had moments where he's been really good. But they are in good situations, and they are limited by certain things. So with Tua, Purdy, and Baker, um, I think all three of them, I, I don't know if, like, just looking at the guys ahead of them that are all capable of, of just, frankly, doing more than them, it's tough to see them rising a lot. I mean, Tua has Tyreek Hill that he's throwing to. Yeah, like I, I fully agree with you this know, it's I think it's difficult for him to rise a ton more. He's he's solid like he's he's really two is an accurate quarterback, just like Brock Purdy. He makes good throws. Um, but, you know, when, when things get bad, it, it gets a little bit tougher. It doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. It just means that he's not, uh, you know, as good as the guys ahead of him, frankly. Um, and that's the same thing for Purdy. I think it's the same thing for Baker. Um, so I don't think Purdy's going to really rise much. I think he's going to kind of stay the same, um, or potentially fall a little bit, but probably stay the same. I, I love this take from you. I'll, so you're saying your tier four is a system guys. Well, you know, some guys, some people don't like the system quarterback term, but 
that's sort of where they fall. It, it was I, just a I way of like, right. it was just a way of like these three quarterbacks make sense in the same tier to me based on the way they play. Um, they both all had really good seasons, but there are limitations compared to the guys ahead I, of them. I think you're hundred percent right. Cause once it hits your tier three, like cousins, Lawrence Goff, I think and Stafford, like those guys. And like Lawrence had a bad year. I know. Yeah. Like but you, he was, he see, was worse than Brock Purdy this year without a doubt. But we could see like the abundance of potential that he has. And like, clearly they had like rough stuff going on there. Like he battled through multiple injuries and, uh, Ridley wasn't as good this year. Ingram took a step back. So like they, they weren't as good this year. Mm-hmm. Like they just collectively as a team, their team was not as good. Yeah. Um, but I think you make a good point. Those guys have shown, I think, flashes that the tier fours just haven't. Like they, they are not able to quite do what the tier threes do. So I, I really like that take. I think it's, it's spot on. I also just thought of something to the question of like the risers. There's two other guys that uh, potentially could rise. So my next tier, I have Geno Smith and Kyler Murray. This tier, I, I literally, this is literally what I named it. They can be good or bad based on how they are feeling that day. And Geno Smith and Kyler Murray are both in that tier. Kyler Murray just returned from a, a big injury, and he was like, he was he was all right in his return. I think he was actually pretty good in some of the games. Kyler Murray could rise with a full season of health if he gets that. Granted, he might not ever have that. But if he is fully healthy, Kyler Murray could rise. And I still, um, may, you know, I'll say this. This might be a little biased here, Ben believing in Geno Smith because I do still have some belief in Geno Smith and I think he could be in that tier three next year because I think he has the capabilities to be as good as a Kirk Cousins Jared Goff I think he has that ability um, but this season he obviously didn't really show that he was you know he had a little bit of a down year so I I agree with you I've kind of merged basically my fours and fives perhaps should have been separate but if you look like I have Murray and Smith higher than you do so i almost was thinking like the way you're describing it i was like i don't think there's much more they can like surpass and i actually think my list is kind of like a a, an extension of like what you were saying Mm -hmm. like kind of the the tale that could potentially be of what you were saying yeah because like you make a good point who would i rather have kyler murray or like like brock purdy you know a guy that like we know it's going to give me or a guy that like is more volatile but like his good is better than brock purdy his bad is not as good as brock purdy so I, I think Geno Smith and Kyler Murray specifically on my list, I don't see them going much higher. You know, mm-hmm. I have them at, at uh, what do I have, 14 and 15. But do I think that, like, Murray and Smith have, like, way more potential to get, like, can they surpass, like, a Love, a Goff, or a Stafford? I don't know. Maybe. But probably their peaks are around there. Like, maybe fringe top 10 quarterbacks. So, like... I actually don't think there's, at least in my list, like where I have them, much more growth for them. And also with Stafford specifically, just by very nature of getting older, he might fall. Just, just simply, right. he's like yeah. thirty-seven. He's getting there. Yeah. Um, yeah. like, like Matt, like uh, Aaron Rodgers is falling. Stafford might fall next season. He, I thought he was really solid this year. Um, you know, and he was still good in the playoff game. They lost it, but he was still good, and he's still, you know, he could throw the football for sure. But he's getting older, so Stafford can fall as well. Um, Ben, let's throw to you kind of to, to wrap up here. Anything else you want to mention, uh, on our, the quarterback tier list, anything you want to call before we wrap up the pod? Yeah, I just had to a shout out. I had to, I had to put Baker Mayfield just one ahead of Deshaun Watson. Cause it's hilarious for Browns fans. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like you got rid of a better quarterback than the one you paid a bunch of money to. Um, so I had to do it, that. It, it was, is, I had it to. is crazy. I, it will go down as the worst transaction in NFL history. I, I really do believe that. 
Um, and it's it it's heading that way. I mean, unless Watson some crazy happens this coming season, it's it's probably that's that. Um, and the Browns are in cap hell over there. Uh, even with the adjusted like inflated cap that we got the two fifty five number, they're still on uh over the cap by six point two million. I think I saw. Um, so not nearly as bad. Uh, from like what the projected like sixteen million over the cap they are gonna be, but um, they they can't get much better uh in their current status. So. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I mean, maybe they just keep on moving Watson's contract. I don't know. Maybe they pay him for 10 years. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, Watson was bad. I had him at 25 of the 27 rated. And 26 and 27. 27, you can argue, shouldn't have been on my board is Sam Howe. 26 was Bryce Young, who definitely should be on the board. He'll be playing more. Um, but he was horrendously bad. So not a, a high bar of status for the Browns quarterbacks uh, there. Um, but all right, Trevor, any, any last words here? The only other thing that, that like it stand, it just stands out. You guys put up Daniel Jones at number 23 and he was abysmal. So is this all like he was hurt? Let's give him another chance. Is that the reason why he's even in the, even in the rankings at all? Is it so just, he's hurt? I personally am a believer in Daniel Jones. Um, this season was a rough one for a magnitude of reasons. Their offense stunk. Uh, Barkley was in and out of roster. Daniel Jones, from my understanding, got hurt in the second drive he played this year and played with the injury the entire year. And then they eventually were like, you can't, you, we got to pull you. And he got surgery. So, uh, I, I mean, he, he was, I think, a more drastic case of playing with an injury because they literally were like, you're, you're done. Like, they, I don't think he got like re-injured necessarily. I think he just had this one same injury and they got surgery on it. From my understanding, I, I, I could be wrong. Um, but I, I like Daniel Jones. I think he is a solid to below average quarterback and i i think he has had a rough situation i think 23 is very fair for him uh at least in my ratings i mean uh two guys that are going to be starting forward he's ahead of Derek carr watson bryce young and sam howe starting forward uh, what did starting I quarterback yeah starting quarterbacks here i mean he's the fifth worst of the 27 starting quarterbacks that's not like a super high bar um and he's he's in my second to last tier at the very end um, so I think you like, I mean, Ben basically has him in like the same capacity. In fact, Ben, it looks like same has, he has fields worse than him. Richardson worse than him who are going to be starting quarterbacks next year. And that's it. The other guys he's got on here are not starters. So he has him as the fourth worst projected starting quarterback for next year. That doesn't include rookies. Um, and like, so that's, I mean, that's low. That's bad. Um, I think more so it's some of the past play we've seen of him and the fact like he's he's going to be starting. He's going to be playing. Um, and uh, the team definitely has a lot to improve on. Barkley, I think, potentially might not even be back there next year. I mean, we'll see. But they don't have any like great receiving weapons. Um, they're not they're not doing anything. I mean, Darren Waller wasn't as good this year. So that was a big addition they had that just wasn't as good. Um, so I think they get him some weapons. He'll be all right. I think his potential um, is probably in that system quarterback tier. Uh, that you kind of have like that maybe 16 to 22 range um, would be his, his, he's not much, he's not getting any much. Further. Actually, uh, I missed it. Daniel Jones is my biggest riser. A hundred percent. Cause I didn't have him in my list and he, you're right. He's probably going to start because they invested all that money in him. And I do think part of it is the injury. So I could see him certainly rising to number 21 by next year <laughs> for yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's or it's 19 or something like that, maybe. Definitely possible. All right, well, I think we'll wrap up the podcast there for today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. 
Um, our, I'm I'm speaking to existence. Our quarterback ratings will be posted. That link will be below. Um, go check out our Twitter at the Small Ball. Our link is in the description as well. Um, leave a five star review if you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe. Do all that fun stuff. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.